Moses and the burning bush is one of the, I'd say, top five most familiar stories in the Bible. Moses and the fiery bush have captured the imaginations of artists for hundreds and hundreds of years. The image can be found on stone walls of ancient synagogues and early churches, as well as present-day illustrated children's Bibles. Moses and God conversing before the fiery shrub has become a symbol of the mystery of the divine human encounter. The power of this image for me is that it captures the moment when a person's life is given a new purpose and a new direction. Our story begins with Moses on the far side of the wilderness. And as any good therapist would ask, what brought Moses to this point? What happened to him in childhood to shape him into this man God called from this strange fire? So let's back up because Moses has a fantastic story. Born 3,300 years ago, during an Egyptian state-led genocide of the Israelites, Moses' life was saved by the resourcefulness of a handful of strong and determined females. I'm sure you remember the baby Moses story. He was sent down the Nile in a papyrus basket crafted by his mother and sister Miriam in order to save him from the Pharaoh's decree that all Hebrew male babies were to be drowned. Moses was discovered down the river by an attendant to none other than the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, who decided to adopt the sweet Hebrew baby. The princess unwittingly hired Moses' own mother to nourish the baby, to nurse him. Moses was later adopted into the royal Egyptian household and raised like a prince. Fast forward. One afternoon, Moses left the comfort and security of the palace walls to see what life was like on the other side of the tracks. And what he discovered was a very different world from the one he was used to. Moses was confronted with the plight of the Hebrew slaves. They were doing back-breaking work, building wealth for the Pharaoh. And while Moses was outside the walls of the palace, he caught sight of an Egyptian taskmaster beating a slave. And before he could stop himself, Moses intervened and killed the taskmaster. Moses was the kind of guy who did something when he saw injustice. His impulsivity turned out to be a character strength. Now, one could argue that the killing of the Egyptian was an action born out of justice. Moses was, after all, defending the slave, a man of his own kinfolk, and a victim of a cruel system of oppression. Unjust systems are set up to value the life of the oppressor more than the life of the oppressed. And Moses knew that. He tried to hide his crime, but when he found out that his crime actually was no secret, he was terrified he'd be executed for the murder of the Egyptian. So he fled Egypt to the land of Midian. Again, being the guy who did something when he saw injustice, Moses took action to protect some women from bandits at the watering hole. 
Now, those young women happen to be the daughters of a very important Midian priest. Moses soon earned a place in Jethro's family as a son-in-law. He and Zipporah had a couple of kids, and Moses was living a comfortable life, caring for livestock. He was thinking he has sealed the lid on his path, that he'd shut away his mistakes, that he had made it safely, after all, out of Egypt with no plan to return ever. So in today's story, in chapter 3, Moses is in the wilderness with his flock, walking the land he's probably crossed a thousand times. He is near Mount Horeb. Now, whenever a character in a biblical story is in the wilderness or on a mountain, you can be sure a significant spiritual encounter is about to take place. So Moses sees a bush on fire blazing but not consumed. And his natural curiosity and his inability to just walk on by something out of the ordinary gets the best of him. And he says, I better turn aside and take a closer look. This trait must impress God because the text says God notices that Moses stepped aside to see this thing. And I'm curious if Moses would not have stopped to investigate, would God have noticed him? But God knows him by name and calls him Moses, Moses, but Moses doesn't know God. God says, let me introduce myself. I am the God of your forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But don't get too close. Remove your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. And I really like that. That is, any place we seek to be in God's presence is holy ground. Your living room or your backyard or the park, it's all holy ground. We are worshiping outside now in the outdoor sanctuary, holy ground. Wherever God's people gather, is holy ground. So God tells Moses, he has heard the Hebrews groaning. He has seen their suffering and God has made a plan to set them free. The kicker is, Moses, you will be a key partner in my plan. Now this is when Moses's blood runs cold and his brain freezes with fear. He's pretty sure if he lays out his arguments well, he can convince God why he's not the right man for the job. And his excuses begin to pour forth from his mouth like the River Nile. Isn't that such a deeply human response when we're pushed out of our comfort zones? We make excuses. I'm not capable. I'm not credible. I'm not courageous. I'm not competent. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I have livestock, a wife, a kids, in-laws. Why me? Moses argues, if I return to my people to claim something so audacious as their liberation, why will they believe me? I'm the man who abandoned them. Strong leaders seldom feel entirely capable to lead. In fact, I'd say it's the good leader who doesn't feel he or she is equal to the task. 
Moses certainly didn't have what leadership experts would consider the right setup for success. Raised in the palace of the oppressor, a murderer, a fugitive, a shepherd with a speech impediment. But the God of the burning bush knows him and knows he will be given more than enough because God will be with him and he will speak for God. Now, after God makes a couple of concessions to relax this reluctant recruit, Moses musters enough courage to sign on the dotted line, just enough courage to come out once again from behind the walls of his safe life to speak truth to power, because that's the kind of guy Moses is. Now, over the past five months, I've been asked more than once, where is God in all of this? Meaning the economic crisis, racial unrest, the pandemic. And honestly, I can't be sure. Pastors don't have the answers, and God forbid that anyone says that they do have the answer. But with humility, we can try, all of us can try, to be signposts pointing in the right direction. We've been entrusted with stories like Moses to shine light on a path toward greater love and justice. So the question is, or questions, can we dare to search together for God's presence in this great pause we're living in? Can we dare to consider together that God might be calling us to recalibrate our lives as individuals and as a society, to change systems that have worked so well for a few people, but that disproportionately burden others? This time of pandemic can either help us become curious about new ways of awakening to life, to healing ourselves and the earth, or we can allow anxiety and fear about the future to dull our senses to new possibilities for transformation. Every day, these, de- these days can feel like what we call blurs day, and I get it. But we can't let our vision grow blurry. We must keep alert, stay clear-minded, or we might miss God's burning bushes in the world. It's when we stumble upon people and ideas and situations that are new to us that we don't understand, let's be ready to step aside like Moses to investigate, to be curious. And when our curiosity is piqued, let us follow that path. God said to Moses, I will give you signs to reveal my presence. So friends, if you are asked, where is God in all of this? Where will you look? What will you see? And how will you answer? I pray that God will be with us in this important task. Amen.